Okay, so our corporate prayer this morning will focus on the Lord's Prayer. It's a rich and meaningful prayer, full of power. And I'll stretch each phrase out just a little bit to convey its, to convey its significance. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we look up to you in loving adoration and faith. You are near us in perfect love and grace. Hallowed be your name. Together and individually, we worship you, O Almighty God. We praise your holy name and give you all the glory. Thy kingdom come. Father, your kingdom came when your Son and our Lord cried out, It is finished, and gave his life as a ransom. We rejoice that your kingdom has come and that it is continually coming, and we look forward to the time when Jesus returns in full glory. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, a time when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, a time when the King of kings and the Lord of lords will finally destroy all the powers of darkness. Give us this day our daily bread. We look to you, our Heavenly Father, to grant us the physical necessities of life. We confess our utter dependence on you and look to you in faith and love to supply us with all the things which we really need to enable us to live according to your will. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We humbly ask you, Father, for forgiveness of our debts, seeing we can never earn our own forgiveness. It is, it is out of a deep understanding of the richness of your, your sacrificial love that we are enabled to forgive others. And bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray that you keep us from situations where we shall be exposed to temptation. Protect us from the evil one who prowls around like a roaring lion, always ready to attack. Thank you that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. We acknowledge that yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We now have a beautiful rendition of the Lord's Prayer, which I hope will bless you. Well, this next song um, is a favorite of mine, and um, I don't know, had you, had you heard this song before I brought it to you? I've never heard this song before, but I was familiar with the lyrics because I had said the lyrics every night before I went to bed. Of course. And I think this is one of the most beautifully constructed melodies ever in the history of music. It's one of my favorites, and you sing it so beautifully. This is Jackie Ivanko singing the Lord's Prayer.
what an amazing gift and, and voice. Uh, trust that you are blessed as you uh, listen to that. But not only just uh, the blessing that comes from, from hearing that, but also the, uh, the mentality of, of focusing on, on the Lord's Prayer, uh, the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And uh, in, in that light, I just want to just, while we're in that, that sense of prayer, continue to pray before we get into the Word this morning. So will you join me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you are an awesome God. And uh, Lord, as we've uh, prayed and as we've uh, just really been ministered to by that song, uh, we pray that our hearts, Lord, would be open to you, that you would uh, speak to us this morning, uh, that your uh, spirit would be at work in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, that you'd be removing things that would be blockages to listening to you and receiving from you this morning and ask that you would uh, just have your way in our hearts and in our homes this morning we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well uh, today is the last day in our series on Joshua. I'm feeling a bit sad about that. I've really been enjoying getting into a particular book and looking at the principles and the things that have come out of the story that relate to us as a church and as individuals. And I know that there have been uh, many people who have been blessed by it uh, as well. Um, so we're probably going to be doing uh, a similar sorts of teaching series in, in months to come. But it's just been a rich time looking at the story of Joshua. And um, today we're going to be looking at the last two chapters of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be doing what we've been doing through this series and, and looking at verse by verse pretty much. Now, before we get into it, just a bit of a uh, recap or, or a bit of background into the, the last two chapters because uh, really we've sort of skipped a lot in the middle of, of Joshua and really the, the middle part is, is really uh, battle after battle um, occupying the land and then the division of the land to the tribes, to the tribes of Israel all getting and settling in their own parts of the land that have been promised to them. So that's sort of the bit that we've, we've skipped over. And now we come to the very end of Joshua, where uh, Joshua really is about to give his last speech, similar to uh, Moses, actually, at the end of Deuteronomy. He, he knows that his time is coming. He's getting old in age, and he just wants to gather the people and kind of give his last sermon, if you like. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, what if, if we were in that situation, if we had one last chance to, to share insight, uh, the importance of life, wanting to tell the next generation what is the most important thing in life, the things to focus on and commit to, what would it be? I wonder for you what it would be and what sort of things you would say to people uh, are below you, at your last chance to do so. It's an interesting uh, concept to think about. But as I was um, uh, moving, uh, we're moving into this uh, new building from our offices, and we've been doing that slowly through the week. And I've been unpacking uh, my office that's got lots of cupboards in it. And um, part of doing that, I've, I've come across things that I want to keep and stuff that I don't really need to keep anymore. And it's been a really interesting um, uh, thing to do. And I've come across a couple of things that have been really interesting. You know, um, 
as you, as you go through life, you, you often collect things from your life that are important to you that you kind of don't really want to throw away. And um, I, I came across some Star Wars curtains that I made for my Renault 12 station wagon back when I was kind of 19. And um, you'll, they, they've, got, they've got Velcro on them because they, they stuck perfectly uh, to the windows of my, my Renault 12 wagon. I used to be a surfer and, and part of getting the best waves was to, to get down and often sleep in the car to get up early for the, the dawn surf. Um, so I had Star Wars curtains that I put on. And when I sold the car, I was like, I can't sell these Star Wars curtains. I've made them. They're so good. I want to keep them. And, and, but I've just kept them and kept them, and they've just been in the top of a cupboard. Um, and I've also found, um, I found this bag, and in it is basically, I, was, I went to some, some uh, youth camps, some children's camps as, as a young lad, and each camp had a badge and um, except that one, that one's not one <laughs> that's, oh look a Star Wars badge that's not, that's not what I'm trying to talk about um, and each, each camp that I went to had a, had a particular um, theme and I've kept all of the badges from these camps that I went to as a kid now why am I sharing these things with you, these discoveries as I was, I was doing it, part of me was, was thinking, you know, these are very important to me. Uh, they're memories. Um, they're, they're things that I think about and things that remind me of, of my life. Yet they don't really impact anyone apart from myself. In fact, if um, someone was going through the cupboards perhaps um, when I was had passed away and they discovered these things, they'd kind of look at them and go, well, you know, what, what's this? Or we'll just, just throw it out. Because it's, to them it's of no significance, it's of no importance. But to me it is. And I just had this, it felt like the Spirit just said to me, there are so many things in our lives that we focus on, that we put worth to, uh, that we um, spend our mind thinking about and pursuing. And so many of these things have no eternal consequence or effect on either the world or even those closest to us. And so as, as I start like that, really that sets up really what Joshua is wanting to say to the people. He sets up an argument and he says, because of everything that the Lord has done for you, you've seen it with your own eyes. Uh, in the light of everything that he has done for you, the way he's worked on your behalf, how are you going to choose to live? How are you going to choose to respond to that? Is it by, by going to the idols, by going to the things of the world that you're in? Is it going to the things that you focus on, that, that look at yourself, that are important to you? Or are you going to meet, as it gets to that famous verse, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah, Nadine knows what I'm talking about, right? Um, so he sets up this, this argument. That's what he's going to be doing in these, these two chapters. It's let, rather than focusing on and pursuing and getting into things that really at our passing people are just going to get rid of because they have no, no consequence, we should be living our lives that, that make an internal difference 
that make a difference in, in people's lives. We should be spending our time and pursuing and spending our mental energy on things that really make a difference. So let's get into it. I'm going to look at chapter 23. Um, and before, before that, there's a bit of um, unrest as the, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they've done their job. Do you remember at the start they were told to help out and then the Lord would give them rest and they could go back to the other side of the Jordan. So, so they've done that and they're now um, uh, in a time of settling in the land. They've, they've done it. They're there. So 23 verse 1. After a long time had passed, the Lord had given Israel rest from their enemies around them. Now I just want to stop there right from the outset. And I want to talk about rest. You see... As we're going to discover in, the, in these chapters to come, that the Lord works on our behalf and he actually fights our battles for us. We sang that the very first song, great song choice, Nadine, that really fits into today's message, that the Lord has really been the one who's been working. Uh, the, the Israelites at Jericho, all they did was walk around. They didn't really do anything. It was the Lord that brought the walls down. And the Lord works in our lives today. And so the Lord has done all the work. And because of the work that the Lord has done, we can now enter our rest. And if we think about this in the light of our spiritual journey, you know, Jesus has come into our world and he has done everything that is necessary for us to actually receive all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, as it says in Ephesians. Therefore, we can now rest in that finished work of Jesus. And it's, it's really interesting if you look at the very first pages of the Bible in Genesis, if you look at the creation account, there is God at work. God is at work um, bringing about creation, bringing about the world in which we live. And at the climax of his work, he creates mankind, humankind. And what's humankind's first day? What's our first day of existence? It's on the day of rest, on the seventh day, when the Lord rested. That was our first day. So our first point of life, our first uh, being, our first sort of sense of, of walking is actually in the finished work. So here in creation, we see that the Lord works and then we, we, we walk in and live in the f completed work of creation uh, in the first rest day, here in Joshua is a, is, a, is a similar thing. The Lord has done all this stuff, and now, and now they get to, to rest in and occupy and eat the berries and the, the plantations that they didn't plant. It talks about that. And in Jesus, the same thing is, is the case. We don't need to do anything in to earn his favor. We don't do anything to earn our salvation. Jesus has done everything. It is a gift of grace to us. We simply say yes to it, receive it, and we enter into the rest that he gives us because of the work that he has done. What a beautiful picture. The Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. Joshua by then old and very well advanced in years, okay, so he's getting on, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials. And he said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. He's making his point. I'm about to go. You yourselves have seen 
everything the Lord has done for you, all these to you, to all these nations for your sake. You've actually seen it with your own eyes. This is not like uh, generations before that had to talk about the story that happened to their forefathers. No, you yourselves have actually seen the actual activity of the Lord. You have seen everything the Lord has done to to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. There it is again. God is the one who has been doing the work for them. It was not of their own doing. They participated in it, but it was the Lord that did it. So they fought for you. Now I want you to remember that phrase because we're going to come back to it. Verse 4, remember how I allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered, between the Jordan and the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out before Out of your way, he will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Now, be very strong. Where have we heard that before? Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, we've come across those particular phrases before, haven't we? And we've talked about uh, repetition and how that is an explanation mark or an underline uh, in the ancient writing. Here is an explanation mark and an underlining. Be very strong and don't turn away from the law of Moses. Don't associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. See, we are to hold fast. If we were to sum up really the whole um, story of Joshua, it would be in that verse, to simply hold fast to the Lord our God. Now we sing a song um, called Anchor and it says, um, I'm holding on to hope, I'm holding on to grace. And when I first heard that song, I kind of didn't like it because I thought, oh, it's a bit kind of worksy. It's up to us to hold on to God. It's up to us to hold on to his grace. Um, But that really kind of ties in with this concept here that it's actually God's grace and God's work that goes before us. And we have no power in ourselves to, to, to work on our own salvation, yet we have the power to choose and to hold on to what God has actually done for us. So hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. Now I said to remember that verse a while ago. Um, In the first week of Joshua, I talked about um, chiastic structures. And here we have another one. Uh, the repeat of the Lord fights for you is is in verse uh, six. Be very uh, no verse three. Um, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then here in verse um, verse ten. So if we go back again to the middle of it, what do we have in the middle of it? Be very strong. We can add courageous. 
and be careful to obey all that is written in the law of Moses. Don't turn from it from the left or to the right. And that's really been our theme throughout this whole thing about obedience and trust in the Lord. So there's just another one for you. You're going to be finding them all the way through the Old Testament as you read now. Oh, there's a repeat. I wonder if that's a chiastic structure. Okay, verse 12. But if you turn away and ally yourselves to the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and you intermarry with them and associate with them. Now, I spoke about this last week. Um, some people um, have this mentality that that was a complete annihilation of everybody and everything in it. Um, but how can that be if they're to now not intermarry and, and, and associate with the people that are remaining? Then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now there's a really strong warning here. There has been success in obedience and faith in walking in uh, and trusting in what the Lord has said. But there is a warning that if they turn away from that, um, what's going to be the consequence? What's going to be the outcome? And unfortunately, as we, we read on in the history of, of Israel, obviously that's actually what happens. They do turn to the gods of the nations. They, are, uh, they do succumb to the temptation of those uh, ways of life. Uh, and because of that, the Lord actually drives them out of the land. Now, I'm about to go away this is Joshua now, uh, of, of the earth. I'm, I'm about to cark it. I'm about to kick the bucket. You know with all your heart and your soul that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Now, if you've got a pen with you or a highlighter, I want you to underline or highlight that verse in your Bible. This is not just... Joshua speaking to the Israelites. This is Jesus speaking to you this morning. And I want to say it again, and I want to highlight it for you. Um, you know with all your heart and your soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise. How, how many promises? Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Wow, what an amazing uh, statement and what an amazing promise to us. Again, in Ephesians, I talked about how uh, Paul says, uh, we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. There's, there's not one thing that is lacking. Uh, everything is ours to possess and to take hold of. Uh, so the promises are, have all been fulfilled in Christ Jesus and they're fulfilled in your life. And the, the thing about the, the promises, sometimes um, yeah, a lot of these promises were given to the forefathers who actually never saw the promise fulfilled. But the promise was fulfilled in the, the generations to come. And, you know, sometimes in, the, in, in our lives, the Lord promises or speaks to us about the things that he has for our lives. Sometimes we can get impatient about when they're going to come about. Um, but the Lord will always uh, deliver and is always faithful in what he says. And this verse really highlights that point. And I want you to, to highlight it and go home and meditate on it for you in your life right now that the Lord has fulfilled every, every single promise. 
Verse 15, but just as every good promise of the Lord of your God has come true, and now speaking to the Israelites that they're actually going to be destroyed because of it. I'm going to skip now on to verse, to chapter 24. So now Joshua is about to do what Jewish um, storytellers do. When, when the, the Jews tell a story, they weave into it the complete history of what's gone on. You, you might come across this in many um, passages in Scripture. Rather than just talking about the now, they first of all weave in the whole history and the whole undertaking. Uh, this was Peter when he gets up at Pentecost. He, he talked about the, the history and, and, and how they got to this point. Stephen does that as well when he gets up uh, and talks to the, the religious leaders. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Okay, here we go. And I'm going to emphasize something, and I hope, I hope the emphasis comes across to you. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led them, led them throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. But when I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them, and the chariots and the horsemen, okay, weaving in the history, as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he... I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. Now, they did live in the desert for a long time. Do you know the actual um, distance between Egypt and the promised land was 11 days travel? And they took way more than 11 days. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you and took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to be put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand." Then you crossed the Jordan, now we're into the present. Now, then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Pezerites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gizurites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you the land on which you did not toil and the cities you did not build and, and you live in them and eat of the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, 
So we've set up an argument here, and I hope the emphasis has come across. It is all the Lord's doing. The Lord who fights for you, as he said in the previous chapters, he has done all this great work. It has not been the people. It has not been their effort. It has not been anything to do with their greatness or their gifts or their, you know, who they are, their military power. You know, they didn't have the, the military um, swords and, and things to, to make the things happen. There were nomad people who were traveling across the desert. It's the Lord who has done all this. Therefore, because of, in the light of this, because of this, uh, due to the fact that this is the true case, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. So this is our Romans 12 moment. In the book of Romans, Paul in the first 11 chapters talks about the mercy and the grace of God. It's by grace that we've been saved, not that we can boast in our own efforts. And then in verse uh, chapter 12, therefore, there's this big therefore moment. And he's, he's set up this argument and he's talked about all that the Lord's done. Therefore, in, in view of this, offer yourselves as a, as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And how do you then respond to everything that has done? And this is exactly what Joshua is doing here. He's saying, this has all happened and you've witnessed it with your own eyes. You've seen it. Therefore, serve the Lord. Because of that, respond to it in a, in a right way. And I was thinking about this and wondering, you know, if we told our story, if we weaved our history into a statement like we've just read and we put the eyes of, of what, everything that God has done for us, I, I wonder what it would be. And I, I'd encourage you to do that yourself. Um, at some time, perhaps today or in, in the week to come. Think about your own history, the way that the Lord has been working in your life to bring you to this point. Uh, all the circumstances, all the people that he's brought into your life, uh, the, the, the things that you've been a part of. And then say, tell that story to yourself and then say, therefore, well, in the light of that, how am I going to respond to that? I'm going to serve the Lord with full faithfulness. And that is an amazing response and a right response to do in the light of that. So now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers. Not, I'm not saying that these are gods of my forefathers, but uh, the things that we focus on and, and believe in or the idols that we perhaps have. You know, today we don't have idols like the idols of the old time, but we do have certain things that are idols in our life, whether it be a sport team or um, maybe even a, a relationship or things like that that we focus on. Um, and and I, I put those things there because not that they're, they're idols in themselves, but if I dwell on them and focus on them and, and love them and give them worth, then I'm actually turning away from, from serving my God. So serve him. Throw away the gods of your forefathers that they worshipped beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if the serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves to this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Anamites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So what Joshua is doing here is he's really drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying, look, I've given you the evidence. 
Uh, You've seen it with your own eyes. Uh, You have seen how the Lord works. You've seen that he is for you. You have seen that he has worked on your behalf. You have seen that it's not in your own doing, but in his doing. Therefore, I'm going to serve the Lord. But as for you, I can't actually force you to. It is actually a choice for you to make. And it's the same with us in our lives today. You know, I can stand here and I can say that I'm going to love Jesus with all my heart because of all that he's done in my life. But I can't force you to do the same. I can't make you choose to follow Jesus. And he's making a statement to say, well, look at the evidence. Look at all that is around you. Look at the way the Lord has actually proven himself to be faithful and true. And it's up to you now. It's up to you now to make a choice to say, yep, I'm going to serve the Lord. Yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Yes, I'm going to serve him faithfully. And what does that look like? What does it look like to serve the Lord? Well, it simply means to, to offer up our, our lives as a sacrifice in serving him, in allowing the gifts that he's given us to be used for his purposes. And, you know, I, as the, the pastor of a church, can think of many, many ways in which we have many needs in the life of our church in terms of the mission of, of the church moving forward in the world. You know, there, there is a lot of uh, areas in our kids' and children's roster that needs filling. Um, you know, now that we have a, a church facility, we're going to have to do things that we've never had to do before, like clean toilets. Um, you know, there are many <laughs> things that we're going to have to now be a part of to do. Uh, but how do we take what God has given us? How do we respond to it? How do we live in a way that serves him honorably and that really um, sows into his kingdom and his, and his purposes? You know, I can choose if I want to to go after the things that are going to just bless myself, that are just going to help myself build up a life that is, that is um, comfortable, that is cruisy. Or I can draw a line in the sand like Joshua and say, no, I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. I'm going to choose to actually use those gifts he's given me to bring about purpose and difference in the world, to, to change those lives that are around me. And I encourage you to think about that yourself and in the way that you can do that. I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, the um, Israelites now, uh, um, they, they lived in and enjoyed the rest. They enjoyed the land. Uh, they, they had and taken hold of the possessions that they have been given. And if we are to relate this to our own Christian lives, as we've been doing throughout this series, you know, sometimes Jericho and, and the Jordan perhaps were, were times of uh, miraculous things and, and instantaneous things, yet serving the Lord is often in the daily walk. It is the daily striving, uh, week after week, day after day, month after month, um, and it's actually living in and possessing, possessing all that he's given for us. It often doesn't happen instantaneously, but it happens um, as we walk in the, the things of God. And it says at the very start of chapter 23, it said that 
a long time had passed. Do you know, it took them another three years to conquer uh, the land and then 17 to actually settle and divide the land. So a lot of time had passed. And same it is with us, us in our lives and in serving the Lord. It's not just today, but it's tomorrow and it's the next day and it's the next month. And it's making those conscious choices to serve the Lord. And it is a choice. Uh, Joe and I, um, we love running the marriage course. And as part of the marriage course, the, um, the instructors of that course talk about love being a choice. That sometimes we don't feel like loving our partner. Yet if we choose to, then sometimes the feelings catch up. And it's the same with choosing to serve and choosing to love Jesus. Sometimes we don't feel like it in our daily walk. Sometimes the long time passes and then the, the you know momentum keeps going and we get to a point where, gee, I don't feel like it today. Or something happens in our life where we go, that's causing me to, to feel like I can't do this. You know, there is, there is a, a line drawn in the sand for Joshua. He says, no, I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. And when we make that conscious choice to choose to serve him, often the feelings catch up. Um, and I'm just going to skip now to chat, uh, verse. So I want to make a, a quick comment. On, on something that I noticed. Um, so, so Joshua says to all the people, serve the Lord, and they all respond, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. We know that they don't end up doing that. But he, he does something really um, interesting. talks about a stone that is put up under a tree, and the stone bears witness to their choice, to their decision to serve the Lord. Now, we've been talking about how Jesus is all through the Old Testament. Um, there is a stone that is rolled into place under a tree. <laughs> now, is that significant in any way? Does that remind you of anything uh, in the New Testament, a tree and a stone? And on the stone, uh, I'll just read it. Um, on verse 25, on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up. The NLV says, and rolled it <laughs> there under the oak tree near the holy place. See, he says to the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. And it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Now, what I think is really significant about this passage is that here on the stone is kind of their commitment, their part of the covenant to, to love God and to obey his commands. And it's written on a stone that is rolled into place. And as I read that, I felt like the Spirit say to me, you know, when Jesus uh, is resurrected at the resurrection. We talk about the stone being rolled away. And I just felt like the Lord say, so often we put our commitment onto something. We put our efforts, uh, our, our abilities that, you know, we're, we're bringing this to you, Lord. But we fail so many times in that. And obviously Israel, uh, we read later, failed terribly. 
in, in living up to the law, in living up to that covenant, in living up to what they committed to doing. And I just felt it really significant that if our commitment and our ability is there on that stone, that stone is rolled away when Jesus is resurrected. And in that, it's saying, you know, it's not actually to do with us. It's not to do with our efforts. It's not to do with our commitment. It's not to do with um, uh, what, what I can achieve. Jesus rolls that away. And in the new covenant, in, in, in the salvation that he brings, he says, it's not about you. I'm going to just move that aside. It's all about me and what I have done for you. I fight for you. I, you know, I am for you. And, and I have done everything it is possible for me to be in relationship with you. And I just love that picture of that stone maybe representing all of our trying, all of our efforts, all of us striving to please God. It's not about our striving. It's not about our efforts to please God. He loved us before we could even know that he had done this for us. And so I just love that picture. And so I just want to um, uh, finish there. Joshua um, then um, passes away, and it talks about how the people really enjoyed the favor of the land and really lived in the land. And this was really a, a time of Israel's history where there was unity in the nation, and they, they actually lived in the, the full promises of God, and then uh, things, things turned from there. Now, as I was preparing today, I just got a real sense that there are some, maybe it's one individual, perhaps there's a couple of you who are going through some things in your life right now. And when you read statements like our God is for us and that he fights on our behalf, that he has, he's done great things, that his promises are fulfilled, uh, you hear those things and you think, oh, I don't see that happening in my life. I feel like God is against me. I feel like there are certain things that have happened and, and so how can God allow those things to happen in my life? I really struggle with the concept of hearing those verses that say, he is for me. I just want to just speak to you this morning if, if that is you and I want to pray for you in a, in a moment. Um, as we've been discovering in, in Joshua that the Lord really is at work in our lives and he's at work in a world that is broken. He's working in a world where other people's consequences uh, of choices and, and things have actually affect other people. You know, I can't just live in isolation and the, the things and decisions that I make affect my family, they affect people around me. And same in your life, there are certain things and whether it be from generations before that have happened that haven't been your doing and hasn't, hasn't been God's doing. But I want to say to you that God is for you, that God is for you. He's not against you, that Jesus has come and God has shown how much he cares for you by actually coming into this world and to lay down his life in order to, to give you freedom, in order for you to find peace and hope and life, life in all its fullness, Jesus said. And that is for you. And it's a bit like a present. You know, when, when we get presents at Christmas time or, or birthdays, someone has put great 
um, thought into that present and, and giving it to you. And we can take the present and we can say thank you and we can put it aside or we can actually receive it. We can actually take it into ourselves. And this is a bit like what Joshua was saying. I'm actually going to choose. I'm going to make a choice today based on the gift being given to me to actually take it and open it up and receive it fully in my life. And so if that's you this morning, if there are things that are going on, circumstances that are happening that you're really struggling to go, how can God be in it? I just want to really pray for you and really ask that the Lord would send his spirit um, into you right now and that you would know of his presence and his peace and that he is for you. He is for you. He is with you and he longs for you to just simply open up and, and just say, yes, things are hard. Yes, there are, are circumstances that are happening in my life, but I'm going to choose to accept this gift of grace. I'm going to choose to accept Jesus into my life and for him to be Lord and to lead me just like he led uh, the Israelites, just like he led Joshua And in faith and obedience, we follow him and we see him then work. We see him uh, change our circumstances. We see miracles happen. We see walls falling down, barriers removed, uh, healings take place in our lives when when we start walking in and trusting in this man, Jesus. So if that's you, I just really encourage you right now to close your eyes. Uh, perhaps you might want to just lift your hands uh, in in receiving. I'd love to be able to, to place my hands on you to pray for you, but I can't do that. But just uh, feel that uh, as we pray. And I'm just going to finish up now uh, by leading us all in this prayer that we can all participate in. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you have demonstrated that your love is for us um, by choosing to come into this world and to take on all of that stuff in our life that hurts us, the stuff that is damaging, and that you've taken it upon yourself and that you've dealt with it on the cross, and that in rising again from the grave, we too rise in a newness of life, a new creation. Lord, that there is a potential and an opportunity for us to experience the newness of life that comes from trusting in you, And Lord, I just want to pray for anyone watching this right now who is struggling uh, with the concept of who God is, of of his love for them, that they would be uh, giving themselves over to and surrendering to uh, you, Lord. Lord, right now, would you touch them? Right now, would your your spirit be at work uh, in their home, uh, in their hearts, in their mind? May they really uh, sense your presence. And Lord, I just pray that you would be uh, revealing yourself to them in a real way so that just like Joshua, they can say, I have seen the Lord's work, that they would see and feel and sense you, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, you have opened up a way of life that that is good and that it is not of our own doing, but in the stone being rolled away, you've done away with our striving and our efforts And we simply receive. We simply uh, take hold of that which you've done for us and we get our rest. We get our rest in your completed and finished work. 
So, Lord, for those who are, are really longing for that touch right now, I just pray that in, the, in Jesus' name, that they would receive you, that they would trust you, and that they would begin this journey of walking in step with you day after day, declaring, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're now going to um, end our, our service with a song. Um, and Nadine has done a brilliant job in, in uh, planning and thinking about the service today. And we've chosen a song now that really speaks uh, of all that we've talked about, of deciding to follow Jesus, actually having that conscious choice. Today I'm going to serve the Lord. Today I'm going to put aside uh, myself and the things that I pursue, and I'm going to go after him. So I'll just pray that that be a, a great response for you as you think about all the good things that God's done in your life and the therefore moment, how are you now going to respond to that and, and live today? Final, uh, had a final thought that I wanted to share with you all. Um, truth told, I struggled a bit with uh, some of the themes in Joshua. I think, um, you know, a lot of people uh, probably can could focus on or were able to focus on God's holiness or on um, His power and promises kept for generations. Um, I really struggled to get uh, past uh, the brutality of the process a lot of the time and um, questions around motivation, um, the parallels with sort of colonisation and what we have seen sort of generationally look that looks like when it pans out. And 
you know, when people take um, these kind of things beyond, I guess, the specific context as it applies in Joshua uh, and for, for God's people there. But, you know, in working through a lot of these things over the last month or so, you know, my own questions, through my own reading, um, through lots of really uh, helpful discussion with other Christians, uh, other people whose um, views and whose uh, wisdom I value. And, um, yeah, I found myself a lot more invested in understanding what I was reading, in understanding the Bible in new ways, Um, more invested in talking with other people than I probably had before about the things that I was reading about, and also ultimately more invested in finding uh, the heart of God uh, in that context as well, and the heart of God for uh, for myself, uh, you know, within my own context. Why don't maybe we'll just close? I, th- I know Sam sort of has prayed already, but maybe join me in prayer one more time, and then we'll close the service from there. God, we thank you for your that your promises haven't failed. Uh, We thank you for every spiritual blessing that we've received and we pray for your spirit to be a bigger voice in our lives so that we would hold fast and be anchored in your grace and be reminded and recognize that we don't have power except to choose to remain planted in your grace and your strength. Amen. Go in peace and hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks, Judge.